Good morning. Exodus chapter 3. I'm glad you're here. If you are a guest this morning, we are so thankful that God has sent you our way. Glad you're here. He is able. Did you know that? He is able. Exodus chapter 3. We're going to start off with the first two verses. Uh, the first two verses we're going to read is verses 11 and 12. We're going, to, we're going to read a lot of scripture this morning. Okay? So if you didn't bring your roller skates, uh, you may need to go back home and get them. Now, as we dive in and read this much scripture, it's easy for your, your neighbor to kind of doze off or to get distracted. So if that happens, I want you just to, to kind of lift your leg up and kick them in the knee uh, if they get distracted. I'm just kidding. The Lord doesn't want uh, you to be distracted. So we're, we're going to pray that He helps us focus on God's Word that's alive, that speaks to us. If you're a guest, we, we've been going through the book of Exodus, okay? And you may think this morning, what does Exodus have to do with my life? Everything. Because see, Exodus is about the God, the utmost high God, the living God, the God that created you, the God that owns the whole earth. He pays the taxes on the universe, the God that is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the living God, the true God. Okay, the God that has his angels, uh, his army of soldiers this morning doing things all over the earth. The God that has angels around him at the throne in heaven praising him. The God that also uh, has an adversary, the enemy roaring like a lion, seeing who, which family he can devour. And so this God, this book of Exodus has everything to do with your life. Because see, if you're a born again believer, your life is no longer yours but it's His. Your life is, should be hidden in Christ. That's what life is about, to bring glory and honor to the Lord. It's not about attaining a bunch of stuff and having a nice, sweet family with two and a half kids and a dog. It's about pursuing the Lord. That's why we're on this earth, to worship the living God. And so we come to the place in the book of Exodus where God is about to reveal His plan. And he, he begins to reveal this plan. And last week we saw that Moses was an 80-year-old man. And he was excited about this plan until one thing happened. God said, Moses, I'm sending you. And then Moses began to get nervous. And Moses started kind of having a, a spell. And he began to worry because he started walking by sight. And Moses began to question God's plan. Any of you this morning ever questioned God? You ever questioned, Lord, what are you doing in my life? God, how does this make sense in my world? You been there before? Some of you this morning probably have questions for the Lord. I have questions. I have one question this morning. God, why did you make so much pollen in Mississippi? <laughs> Certainly, the bees do not need that much pollen. Certainly, the, the flowers do not need that much so we all have questions. Some We have silly questions for the Lord, and then we have serious questions. God, why is my life out of control? God, why is my life spiraling down to the pit of hell? God, why 
Why is my marriage on the rocks? God, why, is, why are my children running so far from the Lord? Why, 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 why? And I want to tell you this morning that the God of the universe, He hears you and He cares and He's here this morning. And He is able. He's able. Moses said, I'm too old. Moses said, what about my family? Moses said, I can't speak. And so we're going to see four objections, basically, that, that Moses had, has for the Lord. So let's start out just there in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He said, But I will be with you. This shall be the sign for you that I have sent you, which when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. So the first objection that Moses has is, who am I? Who am I? Number one, who am I? Have you been there? And what does God say? Moses basically says, who am I? You see, Moses was the best one to lead them out, but he became humble. God had sent him to the backside of nowhere to prepare his heart to lead God's people. And so Moses really was taken back by the fact that God was going to choose him to lead out the Israelites. And so he, he said, who am I, Lord? And what does God say? How does God respond? By saying, I'm with you. I'm with you. This morning, how would you describe yourself? Who are you this morning? In fact, what does God say about you this morning? If we were to say, hey, Lord, what about such and such? Who are they? What would he say? I would argue that if you are born again, if you're you are hidden in Christ, then this can be said about you. First Peter chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This could also be said about you, a believer. First John three, verse one to two. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Are you a son of the King this morning? Ladies, are you a daughter of the Most High God this morning? Is that who you are? If you know the Lord, then that's who you are. You have a new identity. Your royalty adopted, grafted into the kingdom of God. Next, let's see another objection that Moses has. Let's, we're going to read verses 13 all the way through verse 22. Can you hang? Can you? Can you last that long to read that? Or can you make it? Some of you have ADD, Triple HD, Double D. I saw a pen. I saw a pen this week. It's created for people to get distracted. And it has all these little clicking devices on it. And you click it. And it's supposed to help you focus. Now, what good is that? <laughs> I was thinking, isn't that an oxymoron? Like, it helps you focus, but it distracts everyone else. And all of the teachers in the school system are trying to probably secretly kill this company trying to start up this device. Anyways, so if you can make it, we're going to read verses 13 through 22. If you're with me, say Moses. Praise God. Verse 13. Did I say verse 13? Verse 15. No, verse 14. I'm so distracted. I distracted myself. 
Verse 14. You guys were there. Verse 13. Then Moses said to God, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say to this people, say to this the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to this, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord. Notice that the Lord, capital L O R D. You see it? You might want to underline that. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever. And thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, Lord, the God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days' journey into the wilderness. Pause right there. Okay, so second objection. Who is sending me, Moses said. God, you tell me to do this, to, to, to walk out in faith and to follow you and to obey you. But Lord, what do I tell them? Who is sending me? And what does God say? I am who I am. This is important. This phrase, I am who I am. The word I am in Hebrew, it, it, the, the phrase is hayah. Ha yah. Let's say it together. One, two, three, go. Ha yah. Do you feel like a ninja? Feels good, doesn't it? The Lord is the great ninja. He is powerful. Ha yah. It means I am. It's the first person singular present tense. It means I was, I am, and I will always be. He is the Alpha and the Omega. Moses is hearing. God talk about Himself. Can you imagine how powerful that was? Verse 15. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord. Not the Facebook little G God, but the Lord. Not the God that you can put in your pocket when you don't need Him, and then when tragedy strikes, you pull Him out and you worship Him but the God that cannot be contained by man. The God that is so large that you cannot describe His awesomeness. The Lord. This is the name of God. This is the secret name of God. In fact, this word, the Lord, many scholars believe that we do not know how to properly pronounce it. That we don't know. The reason is because the, the appropriate vowel sounds that would be used to orally describe Hebrew language, those vowels were not written into this, the language. Therefore, the way that we speak Hebrew, so today in Israel, uh, they, there's some people there that they speak Hebrew. It's a modern version, but it's orally been passed down over time. And so some people say, well, this the Lord it is Yahweh or Yahweh 
or this, this word, the Lord, specifically right here is Adonai or Elohim or Jehovah. Literally, it means Jehovah. Now, it's going to be interesting if we get to heaven and we find out that Jehovah is Yeshua, Jesus. We don't know. We'll have to find out. But we know that the name of God is Jesus because God told Mary, Gabriel told Mary, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we know His name is Jesus. Regardless, God's making it very clear to Moses that when you talk to Pharaoh, you need to let him know that the king of the universe is, to, is sending you. Okay, you guys ready? Uh, let's, let's finish this verse uh, in chapter 3. Where did we stop? I got very distracted. Let's uh, pick up in verse 19. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. Verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give you this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters so you may plunder the Egyptians. So God basically is still giving Moses the game plan. He's laying it out there, the agenda. You guys like it when, when God has a plan? Makes you feel more comfortable, right? Sometimes the Lord does that. But then sometimes the Lord, like he told Philip that day, get up and go down that road. Sometimes God operates differently. But most of the time, well, he always has a plan. But the, the mystery is us discovering what he's got planned. And we saw last week, he always wants us to know his will. He wants us to know his will when we need to know it. Now, there at the end of this chapter, in, verse, in chapter 3, God basically gave the plan. He said, hey, you're going to earn your wages. My people have not been getting paid. They've been slaves, but they're about to earn their wages. And so he basically says that you will plunder the Egyptians Exodus chapter 4, we're going to read the first nine verses. Exodus chapter 4, the first nine verses. We're going to see another objection by Moses. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me, or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. The Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, a staff. And he said, throw it on the ground. And he threw it on the ground and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. I do not think so, okay, for this Baptist preacher. So he put out his hand and he caught it and it became a staff in his hand that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside of your cloak. And he put his hand inside of his cloak. When he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. 
If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign that they may believe the latter sign, if they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. So if you're thinking this is a little bizarre, hang in there, okay? Be patient. Number three, they will not believe me. Now that's a pretty good objection, right? God, you're sending me, and, and you're sending me to tell the, the Israelites, the, the elders, to, to send this message. Lord, they're not going to believe me. Well, that wasn't a very good excuse because in chapter 3, in verse 18, if you'll notice what it says, and they will listen to your voice. God told him in black and white, son, they will listen. The elders, when you tell them that I've sent you, they will listen. But Moses began to walk by sight and he, he forgot God's word. A lot of our problems today is because we forget God's Word. God has clearly said, do not touch this and that. Do not eat from this fruit. And yet, in our homes today, 2017, there's all kind of fruit in your house that doesn't need to be there. It is poisoning your family. God's Word has told us clearly what marriage should be about. It's about the Lord. But we have marriages falling apart because people it's not built on Christ. We have problems because with ourself, when Jesus clearly told us, deny ourselves and take up your cross. So Moses tr- had struggled because he did not listen to God's word. And so then God tells Moses some interesting things. He says, Moses, what's in your hand? Staff, throw it down. And what happened? Turned into a snake. Can you imagine if someone was watching Moses talk to God? They would have sent him to the crazy place. And then God says, Moses, take your hand, put it inside of your cloak and pull it out. It it was leprous. And then stick your hand back in your cloak. And then, so God gave him these two clear signs, these miracles. And so Moses, he had to use those when he went to the elders. He said, he said, fellas, I know this is crazy and you probably don't believe me, but watch this. Threw his staff down, turned it to a snake. If that wasn't enough, watch this. Put his hand in his cloak, pulled it out. Whoa, man, that's not natural. And so God had these very tangible miracles that, that the Lord was not afraid to show the elders of Israel. Moses had a staff. See, it's not about what, what's in our hands that counts, but it's... The question is, are those things that God has given us, do we put those in God's hands? Wiersbe says that God takes what we have in our hands and uses it if we but trust Him. This morning, many people are in bondage. Did y'all know that? There's many people in this room that are in bondage. And the Lord's here and He wants to deliver. And the answer is not, the church, the answer is not necessarily the programs driven by the church, but the answer, the solution is God's people living on mission every day. God's people being individually obedient to carry the light of the gospel into the home, into the school, into the workplace. That's God's plan A. That, it's not to assemble people on a Sunday, although that's great and that's biblical and we should do it. We should give the Lord His 
praises. We should bring our tithe into the storehouse. We should fellowship Cornelia with God's people. We should worship the living God. But the Lord, He owns Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday as well. He's a God of every day. Moses said, they will not believe me. God, Moses didn't listen to God. Next, let's see in verse 10. We're going to read seven verses. Can you make it? You going to be okay? Verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, this is hilarious, by the way. Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you will speak. But he said, Oh my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him, put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth, and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Moses' last objection, number four, is that I am not gifted. Have you ever said that to the Lord? I mean, come on. If you're not raising your hand, you're lying in the, in the Lord's house. Or maybe you, maybe you are gifted and you just got it all figured out. Uh, I don't have those tools in my toolbox. But Moses said, I'm not gifted. Moses is still arguing with God. This is a bad idea. It's a dangerous thing to argue with the Lord. Here's why Moses struggled with this. Because he was so focused on what he could and could not do. That's irrelevant when God calls us to do something. Did God not create the mouth of Moses? Would God call Moses to go before Pharaoh only to be unable to deliver the message? God's children can be hard-headed. God's ideal and His initial plan was to send Moses and to speak through Moses. But what did Moses do? He said, oh my Lord, this is a bad idea. And he just complained to God the Father, his Father. And what did God do? He gave him what he wanted. Hey, we need to be careful what we ask for. We need to be careful the prayers that we pray. If God would have answered all my prayers, I would have married five different girls in high school. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that didn't work out. Some of you are laughing, but it's true for you too. If God, if the Lord would answer all of your prayers, your life would just be, it would have, there's no telling where it would have went. Problem in America, everyone wants to be rich and famous and popular. And then they get there and their life's miserable. Or people pray to win the lottery and then their life just totally is ruined. Have you guys seen these stories of people winning the lottery? They lose their family. They lose all their friends. Be careful what you ask for. Moses was hard-headed just like a bunch of Baptists. Moses said, and, and, and uh, basically he said, God sent someone else, and God gave him what he asked for. 
later on in Exodus chapter 32, who would lead the Israelites into idolatry? Aaron. It was Aaron. The Lord should have listened. In Numbers chapter 12, it was Aaron who murmured against Moses. Now, Aaron was a great guy. He was, he was incredible. He was God's man. I believe he was praying for deliverance. Those days he was making bricks. He was, it was hot. He was the one crying out on behalf of God's people. But even Aaron sometimes didn't walk with the Lord. Here's the tragedy. Moses was willing to trust a weak man of flesh. Hear me, church. Moses was willing to trust a weak man of flesh instead of the God who can do anything. You can put all your hope in a man, but people will let you down. But the Lord, He's able, and He'll never let you down. He is faithful. All right. You guys think we can make it to the end of chapter 4? Wake up your neighbor. Tell him it's offensive to sleep in the house of God. Hey, God's full of grace and mercy. He'll probably forgive you. Verse 18. It's time to wake up, though. Verse 18, we're going to go all the way to the end. Look at what happens. Moses returns to Egypt. Moses is ready to go. He's ready to go carry out this plan. Verse 18, Moses went back to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, Please let me go back to my brothers in Egypt to see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, Go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, Go back to Egypt, for all the men who were seeking your life are dead. So Moses took his wife and his sons and had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to the Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place in the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him alone, and it was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. The Lord said to Aaron, Go into the wilderness to meet Moses. So he went and met him at the mountain of God and kissed him. And Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord with which he had sent him to speak and all the signs that he had commanded him to do. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they had heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshiped. Everyone take a deep breath. So it would take a long time to go through every verse, but I'm just going to give a summary of this because there's obviously there's some questions that come to our mind as we read this, this uh, excerpt of Scripture. Moses basically asked Jethro, I need to go back to Egypt. And what's Moses do? He takes his wife, takes his kiddo. They get on what? 
A Mustang? No. A donkey? That's proof right there that the prosperity gospel is not true. <laughs> that the, the, the Christian life is hard. Sometimes you have to ride a donkey. I didn't even plan saying that application, but hey, if it, if it works. Moses and his wife, it appears, they had a little problem. Because see, Moses was supposed to circumcise his son on the eighth day. Why? Because Israelites, that was the mark of the covenant. That was to verify the seal, the promise that God had made with his people. God knew that that's what was best for baby boys. It's almost like God knows science before it happened. You know, we get in the 20th century, we think we figured out everything, and it's already in the Bible. But the Lord says to Moses, He basically tells him, when you go to Pharaoh, I want you to tell him this. Tell him to let my son Israel go. And then Pharaoh is not going to let them go. And then tell Pharaoh, I'm going to kill the firstborn. I'm going to take his, I'm going to kill his son. Now, it's easy to see why is God, man, God seems to be so harsh and violent. Well, no, listen, Pharaoh was the wicked one. Pharaoh was the one that was ruthless. Pharaoh and his people were totally controlled by the enemy. They were led by a spirit. It was not the Holy Spirit. Here's the point. War, war is not pretty or clean or easy. War is terrible. It's the worst thing on the earth. But wickedness does not respond well to friendly letters. We should write friendly letters and we should try to give peace a chance. But total wickedness does not respond well to kindness. Wickedness only fears something more powerful than itself. We see that Moses and his wife... Okay, so back to the circumcision. Why was Moses' son not already circumcised? We don't know for sure, but J. Vernon McGee, the famous Presbyterian preacher... Uh, says that it appears that Moses and his wife, there was some tension there. Because see, Zipporah, she obviously would have thought, this is strange to circumcise a baby. We don't, you know, my, my mom didn't do that. And, and that's not how we do it out in Midian. But there was a moment where Moses, apparently, he, you know, like every good husband, he tried to compromise with his wife. He tried to to listen to her opinion and tried to, to, sometimes men, we just got to go with it. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, throw in the, the white flag. When my wife goes to, the, to Target or Walmart, I start sweating. I'm sweating now thinking about it. But Moses, before he could go lead God's people, here's the application. He needed to get his home in order. Your family knows you better than anyone else, right, church? They see you when you're not dressed up on Sunday morning. They see you at your worst and your best. And it's important 
that Moses and his wife cleared this up. Why are our homes, why, why is the enemy ravaging our homes? Well, for one, we're like sheep and we're led astray by this and that and this. We let our children watch stuff that they should never watch. No offense, parents, but Disney, I love those people, but they're not really working for the Lord, in case you didn't know. You're saying it's wrong to go to Disney World? No, that's not what I'm saying. They need the Lord, and you should go and, and uh, have a good time if you feel led to do that. It's a great place for your family. But we don't need to be naive about what the enemy's doing. We don't need to be naive about how Satan is, wants to kill and destroy your family. He wants to sink your marriage. Marriage is hard. And if we're not pulling in the same direction, your marriage will not make it. You say, well, you don't understand my husband. He is mean and selfish, and he doesn't uh, take a bath when he needs to, and he's late for work. Or you may say, you don't know my wife. She's mean as a snake, and she's, she's uh, ruthless, and she talks about me to everyone else. Well, that may be true. But two people that truly repent of their sins and they're truly saved and they truly take up their cross daily and they truly rest crucified. This couple, they die to their flesh totally and trust Christ and, and love each other when they don't deserve it. Then nothing can take down that marriage. But it takes two. It takes both sides. Well, she's wrong or he's wrong. See, we're so consumed with being right in our culture. Sometimes we need to just hang it up. We all need Jesus. We all need forgiveness. And we all need grace. And I have no idea why the Lord led me to bring out that out of that Scripture, but I have a feeling that that's reality for families today, this morning. That's reality for not just five to ten homes, but that's reality for, for the majority of our homes that the enemy is trying to Divide us. Kick him out of your house. You don't have to put up with him. The spirit in you is greater than the spirit that's in the world. The Lord is able. And finally, in verse 31, it says, They bowed their heads and they worshiped. Why? Because the Lord has seen their affliction. They worshiped because the Lord remembered. They worshiped because they realized God cared. They worshiped because they knew God was at work and He was planning the rescue. And they worshiped because He was worthy of that worship. God is able this morning. Do you know the Lord? He's able. He can do anything, He can do greater than anything we can fathom. I'll close like this, John chapter 18. I'm going to turn there. John chapter 18. Now I am is mentioned all through the book of John. Ego I me. I am. And Jesus was connecting, and the writer of the book of John was connecting the God of the Old Testament to the God of the New Testament. I am means self-existing, outside of time, boss. John chapter 18. It's about to get real, y'all. It's about to get real. 
John chapter 18, listen. Oh, I missed that part. We'll close there in a little bit. John chapter 18. Here's the deal. Jesus was about to be arrested, okay? He was about to be arrested to go be crucified. In verse 4, God being Jesus, knowing all that was happening and knowing all that would happen, he told those soldiers, he says, Whom do you seek? And they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus said to them, I am he. Now when he said, I am he, he would have said it in Aramaic and possibly Hebrew. But regardless, the phrase I am in Aramaic and Hebrew is Hayah. And so Jesus Christ said these words, Hayah. That's exactly how he would have said it. With a Jewish accent, of course. And look what happens. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, Hayah, they drew back and they fell to the ground. You think there's something powerful about this Jesus of Nazareth? You better believe it. They fell on the ground. So he asked them again, Whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that Hayah. So if you seek me, let these men go. Jesus came to be the substitute for our sin. He came to be the atonement. He came to be what we can never be. He came to carry our sins. He was the spotless lamb that was perfect. And he came and he said, take me and let these people go. The Lord's here this morning. There's people here that are taken captive by their sin and by the enemy and by our culture. And the Lord wants to set you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Do you know the Lord this morning? He is able. The bottom line is that the Lord earnestly desires our fellowship. The word fellowship is, it actually is a real word, and it, it means a willingness to accept direction and guidance. That's what lordship is all about. Though we do not know the future, we can rest assured knowing, knowing without a doubt that He is able to supply all of our needs. That should encourage you. He's able to take care of everything. Whether you believe that or not, He's able. He's able. This morning, He cares. We're about to have a time of invitation. We trust that God has spoken through His Word, not through a person, but through His Word, because it's alive and it speaks and it promises it will not return void. And so as it's sent out, it's working in our lives. And it speaks and it confronts us. Many times we come to church and we don't want to read that much Scripture because it's confrontational. It hits us head on. God's Word is alive. It seems so bizarre. Leprosy and snakes and Pharaoh and Egypt. But it's relevant to us today. If you'd like to join our church, if you've been praying about that, we'd love for this to be your home. You need us and we need you. You may feel led to go to a different church. I would say do that. Follow the Lord. We want you to be right in the center of God's will.
But if you think this is a place for you, we'd love to have you. We'll put you to work. We have a lot of jobs for you to do. If you don't want to ever work and serve the Lord, you probably should go to a different church. This is not going to be the one for you. We want to reach the whole world from Bay St. Louis. We believe that Jesus saves. And the kingdom of God is on the move. Always has been, always will be. God's doing a great work in our church. We'd love for you to join us. This morning, more important than that, maybe you don't know Christ. Maybe you don't know how to, how do I come to know Christ? Well, Pastor James will be up here. I'll be up here. We have many people in our congregation that love to grab you by the hand and talk with you. You can make that decision public. The Lord is all that matters in this life. How will you respond today? Let's pray.